bringing free kick and a chance here for Kelly. He scored! David Kelly! Trackman a level against all the odds! Jennings. There's the kick. Scoreboards! Right, hello. Welcome to a summer special edition of the This Is Tramia podcast. Just me, Paul Harper, here with you today. Matt is on holiday. Jake, well, he's doing his thing with social um, Beachwood Social. Uh, so just me, and uh, we're going to have a little bit of a special interview coming up um, with Alex Hay, talking about uh, pre-season training so let me quickly run through what we're planning to do over the summer it's taking us a little bit longer than we had hoped mainly because people on holiday trying to arrange times and stuff it's been a bit difficult but hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll uh, we'll get a few things recorded um, and we'll get some stuff out there before our season preview which will be the week leading up to the uh, the first game of the season against Rochdale so, uh, as I said, this uh, was one of the topics I wanted to kind of learn a bit about, um, gain a bit of insight, a few stories, etc. Was pre-season training now the infamous Les Parry pre-season regime um, is something that's well talked about by um, former players. Um, so, I wanted to learn a little bit about what they used to get up to on those um, pre-season days. When did the footballs come out? That kind of thing. So who better to speak to than Alex Hay? Um, former Tranmere player, of course. Um, now head scout at AFC Files. Has done some coaching. He's worked on a few pre-season trainings, including when he was head scout at Tranmere. So he knows all about what it was like back in the day with Les Parry and a bit about what they do now. So uh, without further ado, enough of my voice. Uh, although I'm going to throw over to me, uh, catching up with Alex A, and uh, this is a little chat about uh, pre-season training, and uh, yeah, here we go, we'll throw to me. Right, I'm here with uh, Alex A, obviously former Tranmere player, um, now, was it head scout yeah. filed? Yeah, filed, yeah, being filed now for about four years, so it's been an interesting few years, because two seasons ago we filed within the same division as Tramia now we're two divisions away which is a, a positive for Tramia obviously to be back in League One um, back where they belong to be honest and um, the files are still slowly building up so hopefully we can jump up a lead this season So we're here to, uh, to chat a little bit about pre-season training obviously the, the less parry days from uh, years gone by which I'm sure uh, 
happy memories that you're wanting to relive. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how things have changed because obviously you've been doing a bit of coaching in the last few years at different clubs and stuff. So, Les Parry, what was this? Give us a, just give us a brief kind of overview of what pre-season was like. So you, you get come back from your summer holidays. Yeah, you come Day one, what's it like? It, it was a it was a straight program usually for the first seven days. Um, when I first started the year after I left school, um, I was relatively fit, and it was just a massive, huge, ridiculous shock to the system as to what was expected in terms of levels of fitness. Um, day one usually it'd be weigh-in day, um, so you'd all weigh in in front of the everyone else. So you'd be stripped down to your undies, in front of everyone, weigh in. You'd have weighed in just towards the end of the season, and it'll be weigh in, and it was just hysterical laughter. Abuse flying round, players owing fines because they're so far over the target weight and things like that. Um, so that would start you off, but it's the build up to it. So those last two weeks, you know, you've got pre season on the Monday, that build up is horrific. I don't get much, I never got much sleep that weekend because I was so scared of what was coming. Monday was usually, they'd call it the lighter day where we do the whittle way, and I think it usually was ended up being a nine mile run. Les would say it's just a little plod, but it was never a little plod. So this is just an e- a way of easing you into yeah. things, nine mile run. Yeah, just a nine mile run, just to get you into into the into the rhythm. What's going to go on? So a nine mile run to start it. Now there was differences in times in terms of players. So some players would be naturally fit anyway, and they'd be able to plough f- through. There was other players who probably take thirty minutes longer than other players to complete it, and you'd be sat around waiting for them to finish. Um, I was usually mid mid range to be honest. Um, the keepers always at the back, no matter what. And they'd usually start at the back. There was certain days after that where they'd just keep running around in circles when others were doing fast laps. Um, first day, just a plod, really, but it was a hard plod, and you had to you had, you had to do it at a good pace. Um, the managers usually went on bikes and things like that to prep you up. Um, and the hardest thing of the will away was you can always see a mile ahead of you, and you can see heads bumping up and down, thinking they're a mile ahead of me, and I'm there so far behind. So it is very tough, but that's the easy day. Usually after that we'll go into a weight session in the afternoon. So that when you get up the following morning, you cannot move. Okay. So then we get ready. Day two was often the sand hills, um, where you'd probably start off with a three-mile run to the sand hills, and then you'd do different stages. There'd be a lap, probably about a minute lap, up and down the sand hills. So you'd do three, three sets of that lap. Um, then you do another three sets of it, another three sets of it, another three sets of it all up and down so it's very hard the sand's dead soft at this point then you go on to shorter things so there'd be four stations one was called the pit of death and it was literally 10 yards vertical vertical up and vertical down and you'd want to start on the top and want to start on your bottom and you'd chase each other up and down till one person caught you and it was literally fall flat in your face sand all over you and it's it's the hysterics coming from everyone else but then it's the fear I remember a few players will be sick and it'll just carry on carry on carry on um, the next day was Barnston Dales. Les liked this one because it was right behind his house. He'd usually get his little handy. Club. Yeah, perfect for him. He planned it all out, and it was um, it was a big moot. So it was probably we did. I think it was four laps one time, probably about a mile, a mile a lap, possibly maybe a bit less. So we did four four laps one time, three laps, two laps, one laps. But obviously the shorter the laps, you had to up your time. Um, and I remember one year, and I can't remember who the player was, it was when Aldo was manager, but we were on 
the four laps, one and one lad had fell. I think it was only a young lad, and one lad had fell behind by about two laps. He'd been lapped. Obviously, wasn't used to it. So Aldo made everyone hide in the bushes. He made us all hide, get down, and a lad turned up on the pitch where you could see all ahead of you, and there was no one there. And he stopped and was looking, man, like there was the ghost. Everyone had vanished, and everyone just ran out going, hey, like that. That was the first time I was ever sick at the Dales, because once you'd done all the laps, which weren't too bad, they were tough up and down. There's 10 sprints up a hill, which is vertical again, probably about 100 yards, and you'd have to do 10 of them before you can go. And I remember I did my 10th and I took myself off. I went into a private bush where no one could see me, so no one to get onto it, and I took myself off. And I started with being sick, and then walked around, Kevin Sheedy walked around, was like, lads, 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 come and have a look at this. And I was spewing everywhere, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. But it was just a way of building it up. The next day was the track, and um, we did the track where it would be, I think it was four eight hundreds, three four hundreds, two twos, and one one. Um, so it was just a routine. The end of the week, you can't move, literally can't move. But it's the weight sessions after it that hurt as well because you'll do weights until you can't do any more, so you literally can't lift. And it, the pain for the two weeks is just ridiculous. And I know players who've like not wanted to sign for Tramway because of the pre-season was, was that well known as to how bad it was um, some of the sessions again some players will prefer others than others I, I preferred sort of the short and sharper ones but the, the ones in like we used to go to Harrison Drive as well we do my man Harrison Drive up and down the hills and then a catch up man the pitch so a catch up man the pitch was like everyone starts off jogging really slow like as slow as you can go basically a fast walk and then they'll set groups off and they have to sprint around the pitch with the bars until they catch up with the slow group. So they'll be doing laps of about five, six football pitches at a good pace until they catch up. Um, as well as that, we do big laps around the, the whole of Harrison Drive. And John Akterberg used to just slowly, he'd just run round. He never did laps, he just ran until the end of the session because he was being lapped by everyone. So he had his own pre-season on his own, but he put the effort in, he always worked hard. But the keepers were horrific. They were absolutely horrific when it came to the running. I feel knackered just listening to this. I've, you've got no idea. And every, every ex-player you speak to who's been through it will tell you exactly the same. It's, it was just an awful time of the year. And it did build your fitness and it, it built lots of mental toughness because you couldn't get away with it. But it was just horrific. But you'd get the older pros at the front. So as a young lad, you'd come in and you'd want to do well because you'd want to be at the front and they'd be threatening you. If you go past me, I'm going to smash your head and things like that. And you can imagine with the likes of Kenny Irons and players like that, there was murder going on. So they just went at their own pace and made sure that you stayed behind. Any sort of funny stories that happened on those kind of long runs and stuff? I think on the Whittle Way on the first day, it was meant to be an easy day. And I think um, we'd done it and we were getting towards the end. And Tyrone Levan um, had come in from Holland and he was an absolute nutter anyway but I don't think he'd figured out how tough this run was so we set off 200 miles an hour down the middle way and people were sort of looking at him thinking not a chance he's going to stick with that we got to the end and Tyrone collapsed now it's not a funny story because obviously he collapsed but he was that tired that he worked that hard he collapsed so I'm running around West Kirby trying to find a doctor I've gone into the doctor's say because I was worried I thought he was going to die because I was only a young lad at the time and I thought this, this is like a nightmare so there's people, man, and Les just thinks it's hilarious. Just sits him up and says, right, we'll go again in a minute. And Tyrone's thinking, whoa, 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 we're not going again. Les said, we're going again back the other way. And uh, it just sorted him out. But from that moment on, I think everyone realised that it was just a horrific time of the year. Do you feel the benefit after this sort of week, two weeks? No, <laughs> being honest. No, of course, you obviously feel fitter and it got to the point, but it was no balls, no balls whatsoever until the following week. 
I think times have changed so much now that it's all ball work it seems to be it's very little without the ball um, but they were they were horrific times great stories now and great to be, remember back but when I went back to Tramia's head scout so I was interested to see what the um, what the pre-season was like then it was totally different and I was trying to get into a few like Danny Holmes Max Powers heads a bit saying they're going back to basics and you're going to be running like you used to but it just didn't materialise <laughs> like that so obviously um mentioned about the balls coming out so what are we talking about two weeks after you've, you've done all this running you actually get the, the footballs back on the grass well I'd say about a week and a half you do you do morning running session and you get the balls out in the afternoon but trying to touch a ball after you've done all that running is a nightmare you know, it's it's really tough so but a lot of the it's just the skies running with the ball so a lot of it was like yeah you've got a ball but you have to run 200 yards before you pass it so it's all the skies but it does get you into having a ball at your feet again and then hopefully you're ready to go into a bit short, sharper stuff then I'm guessing when you get round to playing friendlies this is like light relief isn't it the, the actual games you're excited honestly the whole the whole time to get a game in it is the most exciting part and that's when you, the football starts then that build up to that point is an absolute nightmare and even the build up to pre-season it's like a pre-season itself because you've got to get yourself mentally prepared for what was coming um, getting to games is always a great moment because like, you can feel your sharpness getting in over, over a few games so it's important the games are really important because it doesn't matter how much running you do before it you will still be breathing when you've come to your first game so it's a different type of fitness but I think what clubs have been trying to move into now is it's all based around what you're going to be doing in the game so it's a different type of fitness Did anyone in those sort of less parry years did anyone actually sort of say really enjoy this? No, not one person even the ones who were dead fit who looked dead fit who were always finishing up front always said it was tough um, I don't think anyone could enjoy that much fitness work. I don't think it's enjoyable whatsoever. So, which, which type of players are we looking at, sort of around the front front groups? I'd, I'd say the um, the midfielders usually. They just usually breed. They've got a fitness so they can go box to box for so long. It's usually your strikers usually at the end, and they'll come into into the good bit when you're doing short, sharp sprints. Defenders are usually plodders. The midfielders are the ones who used to get forward. Mickey used to do well. Um, Danny Addison was always at the front to be fair to Paul Linwood he was always at the front he was naturally fit but the more quality players I would say were usually at the back to be honest they were usually at the back and it was like give me a ball Simon Alf was miles at the back and he didn't care he'd just get it done he was like I'm not bothered give me a ball and I'll score and to be fair he used to be able to do that so it was fine and uh, if we look at the opposite scale sort of he, he really hated it and he was like playing along obviously goalkeepers I mean goal, why do goalkeepers need to do nine mile runs well, I suppose it's time. Diggler used to moan constantly, so John Akterberg, Diggler, he used to just moan constantly. And as I say, he'd just do his own pre-season on his own because he couldn't keep up with anyone. Um, the keepers were always at the back. I don't remember a keeper finishing above a player, and if it, if it did finish above a player, I think it would be quite embarrassing, so you'd never let that happen, to be honest. And then, obviously, you moved to, to Rushton. And uh, we spoke just before we started recording. There was a little bit different, a bit more sort of kind of sports science, and a bit more of the kind of progression to as it is more accustomed to now. Yeah, definitely. I think I think when Dave Watson coming as manager, he tried to do that himself. He um, brought a, a fitness coach in who was very enthusiastic about it. But to a lot of the players, the older players then, this was like a new thing of, and they sort of it wasn't what they were used to. So it, it rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way, to be honest. It was a new way of looking at it, and after after when Dave Dave left the club, Weymouth Eyes come in and brought back a lot of the more basic 
um, supplements and things like that just to get us up to speed in what he thought we needed. Um, so at times change. I think Ruston was an eye opener for me because it brought in all the sports science. They were they built everything on what Arsenal had done. So the players, the, the, one of the managers was Stuart Robson, who was who was an Arsenal player back when he was playing, and he brought everything. He had he had a lot of contact with Arsenal, so he tried to make it all sports sports science based. Um, we had all of the technical stuff, so we get dragged out of our heart rates got too much. So it was all it was all new to me because I'd just sort of done a warm up. And I was getting pulled out because my heartbeat was too high and I was thinking I haven't even got started yet because what I was used to. So uh, I think there was me, Graham Allen and Sean Connolly there at the same time and we were all looking at each other thinking, this isn't pre-season, this is easy, this is like brilliant. So it was an eye-opener, but then once we got into the first game, we still felt as fit as, as, as we had during our times at Tramia. How important is a, a good pre-season? So getting that good coughing and staying, staying healthy without injuries and stuff like that we often sort of hear players coming back from injuries sort of September October struggling to begin with because they haven't got that core fitness behind them it, I totally agree with it you've got to get if you if you struggle in pre-season or you've got injuries and you miss it you'll miss out throughout even if you're just doing it on your own because I've seen players who've missed the whole of pre-season and come back September and they've sort of done their own pre-season but it doesn't seem to work the, the way it does in the summer um, I was lucky enough I got to do all my pre-seasons I think I broke my nose in, a, in the first pre-season game of one one thing but I was able to carry on running with my broken nose so it wasn't an issue but I think if you miss those first few weeks I think you've got problems for the rest of the year so it's vitally important I think as well a lot of players treat the pre-seasons differently now they don't do as much or they do a lot more in the pre-season to keep themselves at a, at a, at a good level of fitness back in Back when I started, your pre-season was about enjoy your best, do what you want to for them few months, and then you come back and smash it again. And obviously, you've been doing a bit of coaching side, sort of on the other side of the fence, if you like, for for Chester, Tramier. I'm sure it filed now. What kind of major differences are there to the the main sort of pre-season schedule and? Why do you think that is that we've gone away from you know the long runs and stuff to more kind of ball? Work? I mean, effectively, it's it's still running, but it's obviously a, maybe a different mentality. Yeah, I think it's totally changed, and I think um, I think the idea of every every runs they do now is based around what you're going to do in a match. Some of it will be positionally based as well, so they'll they'll have the data collected after every for every position and what specifically they need to do in that position to reach the optimum fitness. Um, so it is interesting and a lot of the data used is very important and I think you look at the higher end clubs now and it's all they'll take blood samples and things like that to see where you're at and what you need so it's very specific so I think that has made a big impact and players do look a lot fit nowadays I think they have to be I think they look after themselves a lot more in and out of the season so I think that's that's a massive change I think that's that's been the major the major change that I've seen players I see videos on Twitter all the time of pre-pre-seasons, which I used to keep myself taken over, but not to that level. I think it's madness, but you need to rest as well. So it's important that you do get the rest because they work hard throughout the season. So mentally, as much as physically, they need that rest and break. So if we go back to your day, what would the usual kind of summer holiday be? So you got, let's say, six weeks of, um, you know, away from the club. Yeah. What would you be getting up to? Um, I can't. 
drink. Yeah, without without yeah, revealing too many secrets. Yeah. So we, the first few days after the season ends, usually it would be a team holiday. We'd usually go to Magaluf. I think most most fans know that we used to go. There's a lot of fans usually out there when we were out there. So that was really a good few days for the people that went. Great bonding. Um, great to go out and relax together, and that was amazing. That'd be a few days. Then possibly you'd have a little holiday with either your partner or your mates for a week, two weeks. And then it would be getting back into it slowly but surely. So I'd usually have that two. I'd have three weeks where I'd have a complete break, and then I'd slowly get into a routine of doing, doing some some runs just to get myself prepared. But we'd all be given to be fair to Les. He gave everyone a weights program and things like that to keep us going um, over the preseason. Whether players did it or not, it's down to the individual <laughs> players. I know what some of the older players would have said, but I was one of them that tried to keep up with the regime that was given to us. Um, but now players are running straight away. They don't have any rest at all. It's crazy to me. Um, as I say, you've got to rest your mind as much as your body. So in terms of that kind of like close season program that he'd give you, what kind of things would he be? Is it just kind of sort of uh, gym work and stuff like that? Weights or? Yeah, I think Les was very good with that. And if you went in and say I wanted to build me up body strength or whatever, or your legs, or you want to work on this, he'd give you a program so you could do it. Um, Les was massive on his fitness, to be fair, and even when you were injured, it was harder being injured than it was when you were playing. He, he liked players to work on the fitness, no matter what the injury was, he'd find a way to kill you. Um, and it put people off being injured as well. Um, there was no one faking injuries because you were so scared of being injured, so it had a positive impact in that way, but I think it'd just be weight programmes, you know, to keep you ticking over, and then it might be a running programme, slowly but surely, so do 10 minutes one day, 20 minutes after three, you know, and things like that. And you mentioned that kind of players seem to be looking after themselves a bit better. The the game, would you would you think it's fair to say that the game's a bit played a bit quicker these days? Um, so they they need to be. I think they, they need to all, be a bit fitter. They're all physically fitter. They look physically stronger now. Um, every single player, the well, I'd say every single player, because you look at some of our players in the last few years, they haven't looked to the eye as fit as they should but internally they're obviously fit enough to get through games and do what they want it but I'd say the majority players now look physically fitter and they are the more athletes they look like athletes now constantly all year whereas in my day you come back and you'd be a little chunk I wouldn't recognise some of the players when they come back Al Navarro never recognised um, Jason Kumas never had an ounce of fat on him no matter what he did um, so some of the players used to struggle with weight other players wouldn't but again it's it's personal players everyone's different and if we move on to kind of pre-season friendlies how important are they to kind of take that the, the physical way they obviously, you've obviously been doing on the training ground and up and down the roads of the wheel but um, take that kind of fitness and just get back into the, the rhythm of, of getting games under your belt really it's the only way to, to get used to getting a ball in match situations as much as you can do in training the match is different so as much as you work in training you feel they're fit when you come to that first game so we used to play Vauxhalls and Camelards on the same day you'd still be blowing it doesn't matter you'd still be blowing and it's a tough it's tough because you've got to work on your match fitness as well. So your match fitness, again, is different, but it's it's a sharpness in place. So when you get the ball, what you're doing with the ball, and it all takes time to develop and move. So I think the pre-season games are crazy important, and it can build confidence as well. So it's dead important in pre-season games, and that's why I usually start with 
few lower teams to build up your confidence and then you play the bigger teams and then hopefully it won't end up like we got beat 7-1 by Man City I think wasn't it and 7-1 by someone else I think two pre-season games in Birmingham it was so they weren't the best like confidence builders for the season but then we won the first game 4-1 so well, you know what I mean go. I think it was a home to Brentford was it was it um, away at Port Vale what? the following okay. season ah right okay yeah alright so pre-season goes out the window when the season starts <laughs> if you win the first game you're the fittest team in the world <laughs> so I'm sure it kind of alters from manager to manager and you know everyone's got their own sort of ideas but going into those early pre-season games what, what are they kind of looking to get out of them is it, is it just minutes under the belt or at that stage are you looking to kind of build on sort of passages of play and stuff like that I think as the pre-season goes on it'll be more based around the team so as a player you're looking to make sure you're in that team for the first game of the season so you need to be sharp in pre-season you've got to be to make sure you're ahead of the queue going forward so it's a bit more looking after yourself rather than looking at the team at performance sort of yeah, to start with, possibly, and you want to build confidence. So you're, I, I used to come into because I was never secure in my place at Tramway, so I used to have to make sure I had a good pre-season to make sure I was in the round squad. Um, so it's tough, mentally it's tough, because you've got, you, you've got to be that sharp. So to put yourself in the window for the manager to say, right, I want him in the squad, I want him in the team, that's, that's the way it's got to be. Some players look after themselves so they don't get injuries, um, and that'll be a case for the first few weeks to build their fitness in. Especially the older ones, they'll know how to look after themselves and they're in a sort of smaller games, and then they'll build up. But you've got to be ready to go for the first game of the season. And the manager will have an idea with about two pre-season games to go what he wants his first team to be in the first game, and then he'll start working on shape and things like that during it. So I think the first few games, like we've got it now with Fylde, we play Wigan tonight. Um, but we're working on a formation that might be a backup for us next season. So we're already thinking about starting our season already. Um, you touched on it briefly before results, and obviously that Man City one and the Birmingham one, yeah. <laughs> not 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 the best no. performances and stuff. But how how importantly are you looking at results? I don't think results really matter because, again, it can go out the window. So as long as you win that first game of the season or you're competitive or you get a good result, it doesn't matter. No one remembers pre-season, really, unless you lose 7-1 and 7-1. And the managers are under a bit of pressure then to make sure they win the first game yet and they lose the job. So it is results are important because you want to win. Winning breeds winning, so that's the way it should be. And you don't want to damage um, any confidence during pre-season. So... Um Let's put pre-season aside. Yeah. Um, how's it going to fight? How's um, obviously a good season last year. You get to the wait, well, won the trophy. Yeah, won the trophy. Unlucky to to lose out in the playoffs. So, yeah. how's it all going? Yeah, it's been great. It was a good year last year. Um, I think we developed as a team. Um, we we progressed from the season before, so that's all you can look to do. Playoff final was very disappointing because of how we played actually in the final. I think again, Wembley was very overawed and um, Salford had a lot of um, experience. experience in their team but the goals were just horrific on our side of it and that's all we'd worked on stopping them getting set pieces marking properly and it just didn't work on the day so we were very disappointed on the day um, because I saw that as a good opportunity for us to get up um, the following week late in the audience they come into it good side they come into it a bit of a celebration more than anything um, 
and it was it was a celebratory like trophy really everyone enjoys it it's a nice day for everyone but it was great to get to win and to win at Wembley I think our lads were a lot more relaxed because they'd been through it the week before so it wasn't it was like similar to the Stramia situation the Forest Green one struggled a little bit the next year it was just a game of football and it was um, they went on and won and again this year so I think Wembley does sap you for a lot of things but then once you're used to it it's an amazing place to win and just to be part of that win was amazing for me so I'm excited about this season we made some good early signings um, and just see what we can do this year Last time I saw you was on the TV at Salford my cameras weren't necessarily looking for you but you were sat next to Charlie so Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, how how does that partnership kind of work out? So your chief scout, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the manager. What's the kind of relationship? Well, I speak to Chal a few times a week, all the time, constantly. So he'll bring me if we if we need players looked at. He'll ask me opinion on players, um, opposition. He always comes to me for the reports. Um, so we obviously trust what I say, but he'll do his own homework as well. So to back up, so the more opinions you've got, he'll be able to fo- formulate a plan. Um, and try and outdo the opposition. I think that's that's the way it works. Obviously, there's a lot of trust involved, so he's got to trust me that I'm writing the right things down, what he wants to see in the report. Um, likewise, with a player, he's got to trust me and my word on it. Um, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but we've got a good relationship to be in, I think, four years now, being a file, so it's been good. Um, as I say, everything's worked out well. You just keep doing your job until you're told otherwise. And the progression's definitely there. You it's an upward spiral isn't it at the minute well definitely and that's the way you've got to look at it so you're always looking for the, for the next move but Charles himself's doing very well he's put himself in the shop window for all football league clubs will be looking at him um, because he's done so well and the way fo- football he plays which for the defender surprises me because he's all out to attack um, but that's the way he wants to be. he wants to entertain as well so it's brilliant for me I'm learning loads as you carry on going so we keep our fingers crossed and if we move it back to Tramia Jimmy at Wembley yeah. celebrating yeah. on the 25th yeah. of May. I was, I was there, it was another great day. Um, luckily enough, my brother and my nephew and my dad came down with our little group as well, so it was an amazing day yet again. Um, just the memories, because I'd been there three weeks in a row. I'd had the, the, the playoff final, the following week I had the trophy final, and I was backwards around me, but at least the third time I got to drink some booze, and it was amazing. I think um, we had the charity game the following day. Um, and I think I was still drunk from it. I think a few of the players had been and they were still drunk, so that made it interesting. But again, a great day, brilliant momentum. I think for the club to be back in League One is a huge thing. And just fingers crossed that they can they can stay in there and I've got I'm fully fully supportive of Mickey that he'll be able to do it. I've said this on the podcast before. I think Mickey Mellon's arguably the best manager we've ever had. Not trying to sort of under say what Kingy did, obviously during his time, but the, the kind of bat-to-bat promotions and stuff what, how, how big of a job do you think it has been for, for Mickey? Gigantic I think it's not just that it was how the feeling of the club um, when I was there as, as scouts I got to see the background and it was a very bitter place to be honest for the, for the first time it was poisonous it was poisonous for the players on the pitch it was poisonous for the fans it just wasn't a good place and you look at other big clubs Stockport big club being a championship club and they've carried on going down and if I'm being totally honest, that could have happened to Tramia. I think Mark and Nicola have come in and done an amazing job in terms of getting everyone together. And I don't mean just behind the scenes, I mean the whole thing. They've got supporters on board, supporters are buying into what they've done. The community is back on board, so it's come at a perfect time, to be honest. So I think it's what Mickey's done has been huge, not just because they got back-to-back promotions, 
but the whole feeling of the club is a massive thing and he hasn't had much money to do it. King, he's a legend, he'll always be a legend. Spent quite a bit of had money to spend and people people sort of forget that. Mickey's gone under the radar what he's done, but he's got us back to League One, which is a massive, massive thing. And how do you feel how do you think they get on this season? It's obviously a big step from League Two to League One, but few new few new signings, how do you reckon uh, Mickey and the lads will do? Well I think confidence has got to be high. You've got momentum on the side, which I said before, momentum's a big thing in football and they've got that on the side. They haven't made major new signings yet, and um, fingers crossed I still think they could do with a few more. And um, but Mickey'll know exactly what he's got to work with, what in terms of budget and what plays he can get. I'm fully confident in Mickey and I'm sure every fan is because of what he's done previously. And um, he'll know how to get the best out of the players. Um, so I fully think they're good enough for League One, totally. Um, but it is a big step up from League Two. Um, I don't think people realise. I think League Two, the top of League Two is a good standard. Bottom of it's pretty similar to the conference, I think, really. But League One is a jump up in class. Uh, I'll just be tiny little details. Obviously, Mickey's played at a lot higher level, so we'll realise the difference in quality that needed. Um, and he'll make sure they're correct for it at the start of the season. Well, and just before we finish, back to pre season again, but pre season friendlies are going on. Yeah. Your chief scout. Yeah. You get into a lot of games. Um, yeah, we're still looking at players, so I look at certain players who were on trial at clubs just to see if there's anything that interests us. We'll be, I'll be looking at players who are playing at that club, but might be looking to go out on loan. Um, so it's always a constant busy time now because players are still looking for clubs. There's lots of free agents as well. Um, so yeah, we're looking at that. But I actually went out to do a little report on Wigan from Saturday um, just to see how they set up, just because we're looking at working on on a team plan that we can move into the season so we wanted to make sure um, we could do that against them so we'll see how that goes tonight but yeah it's a busy time of the year I don't think I've had much time off this year because of the um, the, the two Wembley finals that we were in so it's been it's been a busy year but that's what you want things to celebrate things to work for and it keeps you active and going Right Alex thanks so much for your time a uh, great insight and uh, hopefully we'll get you on again soon yeah no probs thank you very much right so a big thank you to Alex A for giving up his time he was just about to uh, to go to a game as well so appreciate um, him giving up his time we'll hopefully get him on again um, in the not too distant future because um, a few few things that we'd like to uh, to speak to Alex about but uh, I hope you enjoyed that a little bit of insight into uh, what they used to get up to in the uh, sort of 90s early 2000s when uh, Les was uh, flogging him to death so uh, yeah um, before we go a uh, quick uh, check in with the socials so we're uh, keeping such on Twitter at this is Tramia um, you'd be listening to this on SoundCloud iTunes whatever uh, if you're listening on iTunes if you could leave us a nice little review and a, and a five star rating that would be awesome just helps with all the um, listings and um, and whatnot and rankings. Um, so if you could do that, that would be very much appreciated. As I said at the beginning of the episode, um, we are hoping to do a few more little bits and bobs um, during July before the season gets underway. But um, yeah, we're trying to finalise a few details, uh, get those recorded and then we can put them out. And then we will get back to normal, in inverted commas, as well as normal as the three of us can be, um, which is a bit abnormal, to be honest. 
So we'll be back with our first one of the first part of the season, um, the week leading up to the Rochdale game. So the thirtieth of July, somewhere around then, um, we'll look to do something. But as I say, a couple of more specials that we're hoping to get done in the next sort of week or two, and we'll put those out um, for you to enjoy through the close season. Because uh, well, we've got loads of friendlies coming up, but. Whether you're interested in those or not is another question. But anyway, enough of me rambling on. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, don't forget to subscribe. Get us on Twitter, etc, etc. But for now, it's uh, Cheerio. Super <laughs>